All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, this is the Checkpoint Podcast. My name is Tyler. I'm here with Matt. Um, Matt, say hello. Hello. This is, I guess we'll we'll call this the first episode because we haven't released any yet, and I think the we'll just keep those as practice. Sounds like a plan. It's best left uh, hidden forever. Okay. Uh, well, how you been? We'll we'll start with that. <laughs> Well, other than almost breaking my PC today, which, you know, freaked me out, uh, it's been good, you know? Yeah, you uh, you learned that console gaming is superior? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, why would console gaming be superior? I was able to fix when I broke it. Can you fix your PlayStation 5 if it breaks? Never once broken. No, actually, no, you, you can't. Never once broken a console or even it, been afraid of it being broken, but... You're right. There's no historical or previous information over releases of consoles to show that they could anyway have a hardware problem. But that's not important. The important thing is PC is the master race and will always be. Just for reference, the PlayStation 5 is now just getting 120 hertz support. I have 144 hertz and I have a mid-gaming PC. You have top of the line console. Um Yeah, I would say um PC definitely is, you know, obviously superior to console in every way except for budget. And so at that point it just kind of weighs your opportunity cost at that point. That's fair. The only reason the main reason why I like I like console over PC is just because generally I mean obviously some games aren't optimized very well and you saw that with like um Skyrim on PS3 and you know there are so many other examples that I'm just fucking blanking on cuz I'm a little stoned any Bethesda game on PlayStation Yeah and uh I mean most recently like Cyber even like an exclusive like Ratchet and Clank wasn't optimized very well for the PS5 which is interesting or like that people are talking about that game needing more polish and uh cyberpunk was great on pc and was fine on series x i mean it had to be taken off of the sony store i don't think it had to be taken off and and honestly a lot of people that i listen to make a good point of like there are so many garbage games on the playstation store that are way 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 worse yeah but than cyberpunk ever was and that they were the ones targeted to be taken off of the PlayStation Store to kind of make it be made an example of is a little, I don't know, it seems a little... Maybe. I, you know, hoping for the best intention would hope that CD Projekt Red felt bad that their product wasn't living up to what they, you know, hoped and that they didn't want that out there as their name. That when you go and download this game, this the CD Projekt Red, it plays like that. I don't think they want that, you know? Because they are... Set team. If that was the case, they would have pulled it from the Xbox store too because it wasn't running well on Xbox One X or Xbox One. It, it, I doubt, I very seriously doubt it had anything to do with CDPR. I think it was Sony. Um, yeah, but usually it's really hard to get like refunds on digital content. Like, do you think that was the marketplace? also holding them back and sony allowing it because they felt pushback and more control compared to the xbox store being owned by microsoft who would just be like no you can't do a return 
I think why Sony pulled it was because uh, CDPR came out and said like, oh, just ask for a return and you'll get or a refund and you'll get a refund. And PlayStation is notoriously stingy in anti-consumer when it comes to refunds of their their digital products and so they they just said okay you want to do that game we'll fucking do this game and they just pulled it right off and then we're like okay well if you had previously requested a refund and we told you no we're just going to retroactively give you that refund we won't even update you and let you know until you go to play the game and it says your your file won't load because you don't have access to the key damn yeah i mean that's what happened with me i i had requested a refund for it uh for the copy because i tried to play it on it i didn't love it i figured i'd just wait for the ps5 native uh release and i went to go boot up the game one day though because i was bored and i was like oh let's check it out after a recent update and it was just like you don't have access to this digital content then i went into my wallet in the playstation store and i had 65 dollars in there or something like that well how do you feel about it coming back would you buy it again yeah uh i would and i almost uh I was going to look and see if it was on sale today now that it came back on PlayStation Network. Speaking of, if we want to launch into the news with that perfect segue. Um, so, Cyberpunk is finally back on the PlayStation Store. Um, it was shockingly removed without much warning on December 17th of 2020. So it's been a whopping 186 days, which blows my mind. It took that long for it to get back on the PlayStation Store. Um, but the the wild thing now that still blows my mind is that they're still saying they don't recommend you playing it on base PS4. Um, there's a warning in the, in the PlayStation Store page for the game that reads, uh, users continue to experience performance issues with this game. Purchase for use on PlayStation 4 systems is not recommended. For the best cyberpunk experience on PlayStation, play on PS4 Pro and PS5 systems. That just seems. Are are they able to limit that on the store? Like I don't interact with the Sony store. But... No, they 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 can't prevent base PS4 users from buying the game. That's why they put the warning in there. But I wonder. I doubt many people even read the the info. And the the crazy thing to me is that when the PlayStation 4 Pro was announced, Sony said. There's not going to be PlayStation 4 Pro games and PlayStation 4 games. There's just going to be games that work for both and play on both. And this is very clearly an instance in which there's a PS4 Pro game and, and not a base PS4 game, you know? It doesn't even function. What do you think it's more like they have really a base PS5 game and the Pro just can maybe kind of handle it a little bit better? And they just shouldn't release it for that later generation. They just yeah. I mean, I don't think they should have released it for Xbox One and PlayStation Four at all. I think they should have just released it on PC, scrapped the last gen editions, and then released it on PS Five and Xbox Series X and S. Because I think that this has done way more to hurt their brand than the losses they would have faced or encountered by not releasing it on the two last gen consoles would have. I agree. I think they really wanted to look good. And have that we're all backwards compatibility you buy one game it because i remember them being one of the first games to announce that they were going you only bought one uh copy and it would uh improve if you got the next gen you know yeah they'd upgrade it for free they wouldn't charge you and then all the dlc was supposed to be free too like 
It seems like such a consumer-forward game. Oh no, yeah, they're still, and I think, and it's insane that at the cost of it's it's come out that like throughout updates and stuff like that, the way to make that they've made the game more playable on PS4 is through removing crowds and and cars and the things that make the world, you know, worth existing in. And so it's just like, why? What? What's the point if it's not even the game that you wanted to release? Yeah, because I will say, again, I got to experience it on PC. It was crazy cool making, it felt like a really living world when you were in the city, you know? And I even had problems um, on my PC when, you know, really thick crowds and stuff. But again, that made the environment. You wanted to feel like you were walking around a populated city where you're pushing out of people's way. You know, restaurants were full. There was people driving and getting mad in traffic. It felt like a very experienced you know, not experienced. Lived in. Yeah. Even when I played it initially on my PS5, I felt that way. Like it was very, when you come out of that first, uh, like when you come out of the mission and you got a, that first mission after you get dropped off at your apartment or whatever, and you go, you go down the elevator and you're just walk out into that kind of crowded street area, which is what they kind of showed at the E3 reveal or whatever. That felt really cool. You know, it felt really dense. It felt really real. And other than like, if you paid too much attention, you'd notice that all the NPCs were walking on like, you know, weird lines and shit like that. <laughs> and like walking awkwardly and shit, glitching out. But like, other than that, the world felt lived in, you know, it felt grimy. It felt dirty. It felt, you know, I felt real. And that was, that was cool. And removing that removes what they sold the game as. So I don't, I just don't get the point. No, I agree. I think they, because uh, they have been very customer forward. I think they should have some transparency with the customer and just, you know, admit that they messed up. They're sorry that they couldn't make it, you know, PS4 and Xbox One, you know, compatible and stop supporting that and, you know, look to improving their products. I think they're never going to have the product they want or get their name back the way they want it for cyberpunk if they keep trying to focus their energy on this backward support you know yeah absolutely i mean i feel like what they're trying to do at this point is have that sort of no man's sky story where they release a broken game and and are able to fix it and make everybody happy but i just think that that's just not going to happen with this kind of game especially this late in the generation with how much they were trying to push the, even the hardware of the well, it's so tough because top end PCs, because it's not like a no man's sky where it's, you know, a problem with the story or content or the world and they have to improve upon it. It's just, they have like a, a basic game engine. That's just too much for some of these things to handle. Like that's just a hardware problem. You can't improve that without drastically changing and manipulating the game and then it's you know yeah not worth it it's like when you go to the wii and they're like oh we're putting skyrim on the wii and then you're like that's not what that is yeah that's not skyrim it, yeah it was like i remember my friend andrew had a wii before he had a ps3 and he had call of duty modern warfare on the wii and that shit was not call of duty you know because you're like aiming the gun with the fucking wii remote and like looking around with the nunchuck it just didn't you know it's cool in theory because it's like oh you're moving the gun but it just doesn't work 
it's just not the game. I think that's a good place to leave that. Moving on, next news story. Um, Square Enix believes the decision to make Outriders available on Xbox Game Pass on the day of its release paid off in terms of player acquisition. Um, Outriders launched on April 1st for Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, PS5, PC, and Stadia, with the title also available for Xbox Game Pass uh, console subscribers on day one. It is one of the highest profile third-party games so far to arrive on the service on the day of its release, and Square Enix believes the boost to the online shooter's player count means the decision was justified. In regards to the response to Outriders, while there were eight of slight issues with the bugs and the like on launch, we believe it has gotten off to a good start as a new IP, Square Enix president Yusuke Matsuda said during the company's full-year financial results briefing. Uh, he continued, We believe that our decision to make Outriders available with Microsoft's Game Pass uh, as soon as the title launched, also worked in our favor to build an installed base for the game, he added. On May 19th, Square Enix said in a press conference that Outriders is on track to become the company's next major franchise following a successful launch month in terms of player numbers. The game attracted over 3.5 million unique players between its April 1st release and May 1st, according to internal data from its publisher, although it didn't break down the figure at all or comment on Xbox Games Pass specifically at the time, so it remains unclear what percentage of the player base the service's subscribers accounted for. I figured we'd talk about this since we had such a passionate, I've had a few passionate Games Pass discussions. Um, I think that's, that's great for Square Enix. I think that's a good thing ultimately for people can fly as a studio, you know, um, I think because uh, their last game, I think it was Gears of War Judgment that they did, was kind of middling and didn't really make much of a splash. So they were probably in need of uh, another kind of zeitgeist-grabbing game. And it seems like they have it with Outriders. People seem to be playing it. I mean, I don't know anybody that plays it, but have you checked it out at all? I have not checked it out yet. But uh, I agree. This is one of the things that I really like about Xbox Game Pass is. Uh, you know, you just getting a chance to, uh, like developers just getting such quick access to, uh, gamers, you know, cause if that game was $60, like, I don't know if everyone could have spent that or waited for the review, but I think because they're a talented studio, getting a chance to put it in the hands of gamers is just gonna only be beneficial to you with something like this. Yeah. I don't disagree. You know, um, I think that, um, uh, an interesting thing is that this game was developed and then contractually put on Game Pass. So I I don't think it's a good example of like the types of games that can be developed with the idea of being released immediately on Game Pass in mind, but I think it was a game that they probably noticed the marketing wasn't drumming up, drumming up enough attention, and they know that it's because it's a live service game that they had to figure out a way to at launch have a large player base and I think having a subscription base that doesn't require much of a financial hurdle to get into is a great way of just kind of getting that base right away and and having a, and and the benefit that they have that a lot of um previous games for service didn't have is that it's cross platform uh you can play I believe you can play you know across all the the spectrum of console and pc and everything um online and i think that that's definitely a benefit as well yeah no especially being um games as service the more players that are on the more likely players are to have fun right like 
it's boring to go on there and there's not a lot of players doing stuff um you know can make i guess i don't know if it has matchmaking or if it's just an open world experience but you know it, it just uh having more people on there tends to make the experience better and so i think it gave it its best foot forward yeah i don't disagree yeah there's a uh, matchmaking in outrider so that's definitely beneficial to have cross-platform yeah all right uh next story uh, Turtle Rock Studios has confirmed, unfortunately, that Black or Black Back for Blood uh, will require an online connection even when the game is being played solo. I fucking hate this. Uh, while the game's campaign can be played solo with three AI teammates, this cannot be done offline. Uh, quote. We're looking into ways we could support offline for the future, but you will need an internet connection to play at launch, the studio confirmed recently on Twitter. The Left 4 Dead spiritual successor will be getting a pair of open betas in August, the first one reserved for pre-order customers and the second one for everyone else. Both betas will be available across all platforms and, and PC, uh, and it will support cross-play and cross-gen play, and it was confirmed on Sunday that Back for Blood will be available on Xbox Game Pass um, for console and PC at launch. That's a big boon for, for Xbox, for sure. Um, following a recent delay, the co-op shooter will now be released on October 12th, 2021, which I think personally definitely fits its vibe a lot better, releasing more towards Halloween. That's a great, great move for them. Uh, Turtle Rock also, and plus they're out of like, I can't think of anything releasing then, you know, I think Battlefield and Call of Duty usually release in November. And so they're kind of getting out ahead of that. I was like, yeah, it's real early on that. Yeah, it's a little earlier than the holiday release schedule. Yeah, yeah, it's really smart on their part. Uh, Turtle Rock also revealed that everyone in a Back for Blood party will be able to play premium DLC if the content is owned by the group leader. Uh, in PvE, if your party leader owns paid content drop, you will be able to play that content with them, including maps, gameplay, and campaign, it said. The studio also moved to explain how PvP will not be pay-to-win when it plans to sell content drops. Players will be able to access all additional PvP content, including new characters, through progression, and all PvP players will have access to the same cards, which offer customization op options at the start of each Mac match, Turtle Rock said. I hate where this started. I hate the, you need a constant internet connection. And I'm somebody who has a constant internet connection, and I hate that shit, just on the off chance that I don't have one which happens occasionally um but i am really excited for this game i'm going to be honest with you yeah left for dead it uh was super solid really happy for a cool spiritual successor yeah i'm happy that evolved didn't kill kill the studio <laughs> that game was kind of a disaster no and then um i love the move that you only have to have DLC owned by the group leader to participate. I think that's a really cool move so that more people get to have a really fun experience. Yeah, and it's not segmenting your player base, you know, um, which I think is really smart. I used to hate that when I would try to play Call of Duty with my friends and they were the type of people who would buy, you know, the, the season pass packs. or before the yeah. season pass. They would just buy all the map packs individually. Yeah. And I was never that person. I didn't play that game enough. So I would just buy the base game and play that as much as I could until they eventually started playing, you know, they eventually would always move. The matchmaking would move into exclusively mostly the DLC maps. And you just can't take part in that if you don't pay for it. And I wasn't about to do that. So 
No. Um, I, it, it makes me really excited, too, that I can force you to play this with me now that it's going to be free for you. So. I have no excuse. Absolutely. And so I'm really, I'm really, 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 really excited for this game. I'm not going to uh, pre-order it because fuck that, but I will play the second beta. I will, I'll play the second beta. We'll have, we should stream that or something. That'd be fun. So, question yeah. about betas, because it seems to be a growing trend. They already have a release date, so is it a beta? Like, there's no way they're taking feedback at, like, and making it for a day, a day one. I think beta at this point means stress test, you know? Yeah, but I just, I just think they should say that. Well, I just think I, th- I think the term means something different now than it did before. Now that games are, I don't know, they're released. They're released differently. I think we need to change that because now games are releasing in alpha. And I don't disagree with you. I think I just think that um, I don't know. You know, as time goes on, the meaning of things changes, and so I think that right before beta used to mean like not necessarily multiplayer beta, but it meant like there was a beta version of the game, and it's not necessarily the beta version of the game, but they got to test the fucking. Ser- it's a beta version of the servers, you know. Studios still have beta versions of games, though. You know that people play and give feedback on, and then it, you know, they adjust. I get that, like words change you know but it's like we always talk about these games coming out not completed or under development or they just get a sit in like beta preview for like a year and a half i just think we need to better define it so it communicates to the consumer what they're gonna get i guess if we're deciding that beta means stress test that's cool but if you're gonna if we're gonna still have betas and ask people to come and participate, you know, we need to remember a beta was for us to give feedback so they can improve the game. It wasn't just to play it early; it was to make help make a better product and contribute to that. And if you know they're just doing a stress, I think you're still doing that. It's just only on the side of the server. It's or it's mainly for at least for day one on the side of the server. When they do these big open betas, though, I think they're getting more of a stress test than they're getting people that are writing about the experience, you know? I guess uh, directly to them, I guess you're getting more of that Twitter feel. Yeah, you do have Twitter now. And but and also, I, I just mean, like, it does improve the quality of the experience for everyone um, in order, like, if they do have the um, servers tested and out at launch you know it's not that that it's necessarily the beta version of the game but it's they i do believe it's like the beta version of the servers and then once you release that some in some form of a couple maps you know to the public that the public that's going to just play the shit out of it as much as it can before it releases and and you can see at least on your own back end like people seem to be playing at this time so we need to make sure that you know this amount of servers are available for this at the you know and and going through that it does improve the quality of the experience though i do get what you're saying as far as being the beta version of the game you know it's very clearly going to be almost content complete you know by the time that this quote-unquote beta releases oh yeah what you're gonna play in august i believe is pretty much what you're gonna play august 12th i don't think there's gonna be a difference really i think they're going to stress test the servers so that it doesn't crash day one but you're getting that game you know yeah that's fair i'm hyped for back for blood yeah no definitely and um 
like I said, I'm I'm really excited for it. I, I, I'm gonna play the shit out of the second beta. Don't fucking pre-order. I gotta I gotta give this a shout out though. All almost all of these stories are uh, procured off of VideoGameChronicle.com. What a wonderful, wonderful website. I was listening to um, Sacred Symbols today, and they brought up a good point about PlayStation gamers being upset uh, by Bethesda being purchased by Microsoft and that essentially taking games away from PlayStation that otherwise would have been on PlayStation. Like Starfield, right, was initially announced as like a, a game that was coming to everything, and then now it's just going to Xbox, right? But on Sacred Symbols, they made the good point of, well, Final Fantasy 16 isn't coming to Xbox. Final Fantasy VII Remake isn't coming to Xbox, and that's those are games developed by Square Enix. There's no reason those games should be on PlayStation exclusively, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. Every studio does this, always. Oh, yeah. Or every publisher or, or, or console maker or whatever. It's just a part of the game, and there's no sense in being upset. I will own an Xbox or a PC that can play Starfield by the time Starfield comes out, and I will play it, and I will want to blow my brains out because I guarantee you it will be like every other generic Bethesda game that they haven't updated the engine for since 2006. Uh, Bethesda is my favorite studio. Literally put thousands of hours into all of their games. You seem like the type of generic white bread that would coming from the dude who sucks last of us two's dick gonna tell me I got basic fucking thoughts? Jesus, go play a naughty dog game and then kill yourself. I'll kill myself before I play a naughty dog game. Um, we'll just do everybody a favor. Honestly, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima pretty intensely. I've been trying to like really get through it, and that game was fucking phenomenal. I'm gonna be honest. It did it. They did it real dirty by releasing it like at the tail end of The Last of Us Two because that game, after playing The Last of Us Two, it made it hard to play Ghost of Tsushima because Ghost of Tsushima is very much just like your, not your standard open world, but it's not as cinematic as The Last of Us, and it was very jarring to go between the two. Um, but now that I've played plenty of shitty games. I just, actually, I just got done playing, not done playing it because I didn't beat the game, but I just stopped playing Biomutant. So then going into <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, I'm like, my God, this game is fucking good. That's fair, especially. And also get, the... go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. You're good. No, I was just going to say, it, it just gives me a little bit of hometown pride too, knowing that the game was developed in Bellevue. I used to work at the building right next to Sucker Punch. And so... I used to see their sign every day, and I'd be like, that's fucking cool. Do they have a cool sign? Well, no, no, it's just their logo, but I grew up playing Sly Cooper and Infamous and stuff like that, so it was just kind of like, wow, that's... I, I, I just... You know, when you're a kid and you're, you see these splash screens on games, you're like, those guys are gods, you know? They get to make this game? They make this game? That's fucking cool. And then, you know, I get to be an adult and I'm working at this company and I'm in the building and I look out the window of the office that I'm working in and down on the street level, I just see SP with the star and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's awesome. You know? No, for sure. Next story. 
Nearly two days after it went live, Square Enix Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin demo is finally playable. The Team Ninja developed spin-off game was announced during the Square Enix Presents live stream on Sunday with a surprise demo due to launch on PlayStation 5 the same day. However, after downloading the trial version, players discovered that it was totally unplayable. Attempting to launch the demo caused an error to appear, stating that the data has been corrupted. On Tuesday, the publisher finally released a fix for the error, which said it would, which it said would make the demo playable, even for those who have already downloaded it. We have issued a patch, version 1.03, that will fix the issues with the Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin trial version, which is available to play now. It said, if you have already downloaded the Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin trial version, Jesus Christ, how many times do I have to say that mouthful of a fucking title? The issue will be resolved by applying the update. For those newly downloading the trial version, you'll be able to play it as as is upon download. We apologize to have kept you waiting. I don't understand. I don't know. To launch a demo, then a demo doesn't even fucking work. And it takes you two fucking days to get that shit to work. That's kind of concerning. Hopefully they get their shit figured out for the release. Yeah, that's a, you think, that's a quality assurance thing. Like, what were they running on that they didn't have any problems that once it was pushed that it took two days which was too bad because you know they had that trailer the hype was up it didn't hype me up particularly i don't think there was any hype for this fucking game it looked so bland and boring no, but the hype was up like that was probably the peak hype you know you think it's gonna hype up again oh that's the most hype that that game will ever experience existence yeah, well, probably. now that the people can't even play the uh demo i see what they mean by him looking like a fuck boy oh yeah totally looks like a fuck boy do final fantasy things i don't know what you do in final fantasy i thought it was i didn't think it was 3d but then some of them are 3d it's very confusing oh did you see um because we were watching the uh the square enix conference did you see that the uh so you know how they remember how they announced the uh Final Fantasy like collection or whatever. Yeah. They're only releasing it on Steam. They're not releasing it on PlayStation or Xbox or anything. Get fucked. Really? Were they originally um only for PlayStation? I mean uh for PC? They were just on PlayStation. Interesting. Odd choice. Yeah, they were uh well I, I don't know if they I think they might have they've re re released them. And put them on um, mobile, I think, already, like before. But I don't think uh, they had, like, put them... Uh, maybe they put them on PC, I don't know. But as far as I'm aware, they didn't. And then now it's on... They're just releasing it on PC, which is kind of frustrating. I w probably wouldn't have played it because I hate turn-based games. And I'm not much of a Final Fantasy fan. I like all the third. I like the third uh, person ones, but um, but anyways, I think this is actually really cool. Uh, Xbox Game Pass has been one of Microsoft's biggest success stories this generation, and the company is not slowing down. Microsoft on Thursday announced major plans to grow and evolve the service over time, while it also released new statistics that speak to its popularity. Microsoft is working with TV manufacturers around the world to, quote, embed the Xbox experience directly into internet-connected TVs. 
The idea is you'll be able to play Xbox games with no additional hardware except for a controller. This is a very big deal because it opens up a potentially much bigger audience for Xbox, people who don't want to spend hundreds of dollars for a console, but still want to play games on their TV. Additionally, Microsoft announced that it is, quote, exploring new subscription offerings, end quote, for Game Pass that will allow more players around the world to experience the most immersive and fun games across devices, geographies, and financial realities. The company did not share any specifics about this, however, but clearly the aim is to get more subscribers. In another effort to expand Xbox, Microsoft is working with telecom providers on, quote, new purchasing models like Xbox All Access that allow users to get a console with Game Pass for a monthly price instead of paying more up front. This is the model that has been popular and widespread for smartphones for many years. Additionally, Microsoft announced that the new Xbox-branded streaming devices to push Xbox cloud gaming on any TV without the need for a console. Again, no specifics or images were provided for this. Additionally, Microsoft announced that cloud gaming through PC browsers will open for all Game Pass Ultimate members in the next few weeks across Chrome, Safari, and Edge. What's more, Microsoft is in the final stages of adding Xbox Series X server racks to its data centers around the world so games streamed to the cloud look and run better. Better, Players can expect faster loading times, better frame rates, and better graphics. Now, I think that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, for sure. I remember when <laughs> TVs first got, like, streaming devices in them, and I thought that was pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. I think this is the next natural step in that evolution. I... No, agree, especially with services such as Stadia and Luna coming out. Um, you know, Amazon's and Google's uh, kind of right. streaming thing. Cloud-based. Yeah, cloud-based, which is fantastic. You know, just like we were talking about, really quality PCs cost a lot of money, you know, that people don't have. And being able to stream it, run it like that is super awesome. And the idea of it just being in your TV, I mean... That's kind of crazy, especially if you're already an Xbox person, you know, a Microsoft Yeah, that's person. really, um, I mean, it kind of, I'll be interested to see if um, they run, the games run as well as they do on the console. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, because if they do, or even like are 90% close yeah, it's going to be how well their cloud service does. You heard when Cyberpunk released off in that Stadia was the best place to ga- play the game. Because you're not relying on your local hardware. It's made for one set of you know hardware and then projected over servers. And so the, the experience is more consistent and better made. I guess supposedly I never I've never touched Stadia but yeah I don't know I guess we'll just have to wait and see it might be Microsoft might be the I mean this this type of thing might be the future of gaming in a way I think Sony will always be that sort of boutique kind of Apple type figure in the gaming space and Nintendo will always be the sort of well that's what I was gonna say what I was just thinking about how like when the Xbox one released compared to the PS4 like the Xbox One's thing was you can plug your TV into it and it's your cable box. You know, they were going for more of a uh, like media Everything entertainment device. system. Yeah, that just also gamed. And, and it turns out we already have the media entertainment systems. It's built directly into our TV. So now they just need to add the game functionality to that. Yeah, they're just kind of like building off of that where 
because I think they're choosing to try not to compete with PlayStation in the sense of being a better gaming machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, the Xbox One was like kind of ahead of its time with the online, always online functionality and the auto updating and this, that, and the other thing and the DRM and whatnot. But which is not a good thing. I'm not pro that. I did not like that those things carried through. I was very mad at all those things. And well, I mean, in a way, it's just kind of a natural progression of things. I mean, no, it is for sure. But I, I was just my personal thoughts. I wasn't a big fan of the always online stuff. Yeah, I don't like that either. I think if you're playing a single player game, you should just be able to boot up the game and play the game if you're what's, you know, what's the point of having to have it connected to the servers? But I mean, I even find it now with my digital games on PlayStation where if like I'm not plugged in for more than 24 hours, I can't I don't have access to my games. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's the same way on PC, isn't it? Where if it's you don't you don't have access internet connection you can't get into steam right um i don't know i think you can open steam right but your library isn't accessible really is it i i don't know i would have to try that out maybe it is i don't know i'm, I'm pretty ignorant I, I don't know i have not tried to access because my biggest thing is like yeah if i don't have internet and there are other things i'd like to be doing one of those things would be gaming i would love to oh i got no internet i'm sitting around waiting for shit to do yeah. And now you're telling me I can't even hop on a single player experience? Yeah, especially when if that's like just like a single player experience with three random AI partners like Back for Blood is, you know, which doesn't make much sense. Um we're moving on. Okay. Are you uh are you watching any anime? Any reading any manga? Reading any comic books? Uh anime wise, I'm watching The Road to Ragnarok on Netflix. Love it. Sucker for just tournament arc like it's what i'm about have you gotten past the second episode yes i'm on like six or seven now is it does it get better i mean what didn't you like about the first two episodes because if you didn't like that it was dudes fighting and then stopping to um it was just a lot why of this attack is important then no that's like gonna be the whole show and why i fucking love it just two dudes about to punch and then it's like here's lou blue and this is why this punch means so much to him. Yeah, Here's was... this other guy. And why this punch means so much to him. Whose punch will mean the most. Love it. I'm in. Yeah, that was the thing that I... Not that specifically, but the thing I didn't enjoy about it was that it was not a lot of fighting. You know, there wasn't a lot that went down in terms of fights. Like, they, they didn't go through the fights faster? No, there just no, there wasn't a lot. Like, it was just them standing apart from each other and then they'd walk together slowly and then 15 minutes of exposition and then they'd walk together slowly and then one person would move his hammer and then he'd stand in the same position for 10 minutes and then they'd have another 15 minutes of exposition and then the episode ends and then it's the same thing the next episode but his hammer awakened that was extremely pivotal and then he takes his gloves off took like 10 minutes and you realize the gloves were holding him back, not helping him out. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that both of those episodes should have taken about 15 minutes. Wrong. Just nothing happened. No, tons of stuff happened. Just the thing you wanted to happen didn't happen. The fight didn't happen. Other things happened. No, nothing happened. 
Oh, well, I mean, those are things I love. Like Baki, also. Just the same formula. Love What's it. What's that one? Baki? Yeah. I'm not, I've not seen that. Um, another anime. Just a super strong kid. Uh, the first arc is the convicts, and like nine of the deadliest convicts all break out and write the same message on their cell walls. I want to taste defeat and then go to Japan, and then they fight off against some masters in Japan and they just fight and it's awesome and you pretty much do the same thing where one fight's going to take like four episodes we're going to talk about all the different exposition love it all right i'm glad you like it i'm gonna i'm gonna try to give it a shot and continue to watch it maybe watch at least i'll give it two more episodes to try to grab me and if it does it does if it doesn't it doesn't you know i, I try to give these things their due well i mean if if you do not love that formula you are not gonna like the show so it's not that I know that I don't love the formula. It's just that I don't love the first couple of episodes of really anything ever. So I'll just give it a shot, you know? Oh, well, I didn't realize you hate all things instantly. It's not that I hate all things. It's that generally when you're starting a new IP or starting a show, you generally have to cater to the dumbest member of the public that's sitting down to watch your show for the first time or cater for... You know, you gotta you gotta over explain, you gotta spend a lot of time on little world details, and eventually once the story and and the thing pick up and gain a little bit of steam, you're not focusing on all the little bullshit nonsense and it, it has a bit more like a breath of flow and like a bit of a I don't know, a bit of a substance to it that I think I prefer to the first couple of episodes of Exposition. I don't think that's exactly true, but I see what you're saying. I don't oh, yeah, think all yeah, media makes their like introductory episode meant to be really stupid. I think there's definitely entertainment. I didn't say really stupid. I said you got to cater to the kind of the dumbest member of the per person sitting down. I don't think people do that, though. I don't think people cater to the dumbest person they think is going to watch. I think some I think some entertainment is written. But I hate to break it to you. You're the, you're the dumbest person sitting down to watch. Oh, I know. That's why I don't get all the entertainment. We all can't be big brain, self-identified uh, philosophers like you. I'm an intellectual. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, self-identified philosopher. My fucking two brain cells are working really hard to try to push out that sentence. I could physically see it happening. Um, I've been watching Mob Psycho still. That's been pretty good. Um, have you? Hey, did you pick open up that book at all? Uh, I haven't. I've been reading uh, JoJo. Oh yeah, yeah. I told you to read that one first. So good thing you're doing that. That was a test. I did fucking did what you said. Still get yelled at. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I am a piece of shit. I will confirm. Do you do? Can can confirm. Try to be a good friend. I just want to read JoJo. All right. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I forgot that you even bought that book. To be honest. Um. Mob Psycho is great. I would recommend it to anybody who likes like that sort of one punch man kind of formula where the guy's just kind of the most powerful. The only difference is it's like uh, in this one, the main protagonist is the most powerful person and he's trying not to let his power out because he can't, con can't, can't control it and he's scared of it. Whereas in one punch man, the whole goal of the main character was to be the most powerful person and use that power, you know? And I think that's a cool inverse you know? 
Yeah, it's nice to deconstruct ultimate power like that, you know, especially when you look at Western comics and you have people like, you know, Superman or Thanos or just these ultimate beings and their ultimate power isn't really discussed or broken down like that. You know, it's only seen as an ultimate moral good or an ultimate moral bad. And I feel like like One Punch Man didn't break down, you know, the power to defeat anybody as like a goal right like it was almost unsatisfying to have that power and that was an interesting breakdown yeah because you'd like get into any fight and be like oh i won already this is boring <laughs> and i think yeah that was pretty cool i want to re. i want to i've watched probably the first 10 episodes 10 12 episodes of one punch man and then i fell off for some reason but i want to start that again and get into it i think i want to read the manga though i don't think you finish anything um, definitely not your girlfriend. <laughs> that's fair. I don't. <sighs> that's that's true. I've never made a woman come in my life. Stole those dudes that you blew on the corner. Why do you say that? Past tense. I can't. You know, I can't give up that life. You back on the corner? You back on that corner? <laughs> you back on that corner, and you ain't giving me my money? How? Where's my money? You, you can take the hoe out of the life, but you can't take the life out of the hoe. You know what I'm saying? No. All right. Well. Say that one more time for me, but really listen to what you just said. You can take the hoe out of the life, but you can't take the life out of the hoe, you know? Okay, but did you listen to you this time? You can take... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that was a good episode. Uh, where can the people find you on whatever platform you want the people to find you on? Xbox, Instagram, Yeah, you can Twitch, find me on something. Uh, Steam or Xbox Live. Or I think uh, Steam is Drobot13 and Xbox is going to be Merigrin Wood. And for the people who can't spell, um, you said Steam is Drobot13? Oh, M- yeah, D-R-O-B-O-T. 13 and then Merigrin Wood M E R I G R I N and then Wood W O O D Cool and then I'm uh I'm at David Hashelhoff on Instagram and then David Hashelhoff underscore on PlayStation Actually I think I'm David Hashelhoff underscore on Instagram as well I'll try to keep that consistent And yeah you can follow me on there add me on PlayStation And that's that. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.